0: This episode of Earl Grey is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 180,000 titles for smartphone, tablet, and desktop. To get a free audiobook of your choice and help Trek FM at the same time, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. And also by Enterprise in Space, an international program of the nonprofit National Space Society, Find out how you can help science and education and become a virtual crew member aboard the NSS Enterprise Orbiter by visiting enterpriseinspace.org. Hi, this is Marina Sirdis, Deanna Troy from Star Trek The Next Generation. You're listening
1: to Trek FM.
0: The Earl Grey Hot.
1: Welcome to another cup of Earl Grey, Trek FM's dedicated podcast to the next generation. I'm your host, Justin Ozer, and join with me today are the absolutely amazingly incredible Amy, and the outstandingly, fantastically, galactically stellar Richard, Amy, how are you doing?
0: Woo! I was thinking you were doing an alliteration with the A's going on there. Well done. Thank you. Justin. Well, I was just trying to
1: put as many words I didn't really think about
0: beforehand. <laughs> but
1: but uh, good to have you here, Amy.
0: Yes, and listeners, uh, happy Fourth of July, Independence Day will be tomorrow.
1: Yes, for our listeners in the U.S., you get an opportunity to celebrate our independence and have a long holiday. Actually, for me at my company. Wednesday and Thursday are holidays, and I'm taking Friday off, so why not just have a long weekend? <laughs>
0: nice, nice. But you know
1: what? You have a two-month vacation, Amy, I do so I can't beat that. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Richard, how are you doing?
2: I'm doing fantastic. Um, I am excited for tomorrow. It's my favorite holiday of the year. Yes. And yes, that is beyond Christmas and Father's Day. <laughs> 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 I absolutely love the 4th of July, and Well, um, I'll be drunk and passed out probably by uh, by tomorrow, so uh, don't expect me to comment on the Babel Conference.
0: There you go.
1: Well, but it comes out the day before, so you can make some comments that day.
2: Yeah, I'm still going to be drunk and yeah, out. <laughs> we're starting early. <laughs> yeah, I mean because it's a it's a four day affair for me.
0: Nice, <laughs> early okay. this year it is. <laughs> Very, nice. it. yeah, because it comes in the middle of the week. Yeah, that's
2: right. So I gotta I gotta get my uh, traitorous uh, rebellion uh, sort of thing uh, sort of partying out of me. You know, there I mean? you go. There you go.
0: <laughs> that's funny.
1: So this is actually the first time in a couple of episodes that all three of us are here together, so
0: yes. Good to be back. So. <laughs> Good to have my, our Earl Grey.
1: Yeah. So we will get to the main topic of the episode in a bit, but we just had some listener feedback that we wanted to read. So we got an iTunes review recently, um, and it is from user rc-974. Is that
2: supposed to be like a droid number or something like that? M-
1: maybe. <laughs> it's not. It's not a Star Trek reference. No. no Probably not. <laughs> so... They On their review, they had a subject of geeking out in 10 Forward, and they said, This show gives you a sense of being on the Enterprise D, bringing back memories of the series in a vivid way, analyzing aspects of those memories we may not have pondered before. The absolute adoration the hosts have for the show, as well as the desire to share their enthusiasm with the audience, makes this a most enjoyable broadcast. This is a must-listen for TNG fans. well And they gave a five-star review, of course. <clears throat> so, as you can tell from the description, well, thank you so much, Whoever you are, we don't know you by that name. <laughs> uh, but thank you so much. So glad that uh, that you're enjoying the show. And and we always appreciate it when listeners give us a review in the iTunes store. Whatever feedback that they want to give, uh, we will take that into account, read it on the show. So thank you so much for that.
0: Well, thank you so much. It was a wonderful iTunes review. And listeners, if you feel inclined, please do so. It helps others To find our show and, you know, gives them an idea of of what other listeners are thinking about our show. And it just, it was wonderful to get. So thank you so much, RC-974.
1: Well, we also had some listener feedback in the Babel Conference, this time on episode 232, which was the suspicions commentary. Uh, where we had on guest Patrick Devlin and Richard Patrick and I did a commentary of the six-season episode, Suspicions. So, Amy, did you want to read the first comment?
0: Yes, and thank you to Patrick for filling in for me. did a fine job bringing up Troy, so he did well in my book. Uh, Matthew Bell says, That was a really fun commentary. I genuinely coughed at the body bag remark. (laughs) Yeah, that was good. Uh, Regarding the Ferengi funeral customs, I wonder if the slicing of the corpse into portions for vacuum sealing into Tupperware has to be done by a specific individual, otherwise the value of the pieces is affected. However, does a 24th century autopsy really require physically cutting into the body? This is era of high-resolution scans and non-invasive surgical procedures. Are autopsies the last bastion of knives in the medical profession? And having said all that, shouldn't Bev still lose her job? Solving the mystery doesn't change the fact that she did the autopsy. Great points, Matthew.
1: Lots lots of good points. Well, Matthew, you're making a reference there to what we find out in Deep Space Nine about the Ferengi funeral customs where they vacuum seal remains and, uh, and sell them to the highest bidder. <laughs> so this was before they had, I think, even thought of... I'm trying to remember, though, because this is while Season 1 of Deep Space Nine is going on, but I'm not sure if they had established that.
0: No, I think that's in Season 2.
1: It's in Season 2, yeah.
0: Because I think I just watched when they revealed that.
1: Okay, so... But but the way that I think about it also is this guy's a Ferengi scientist. He's not making profit. <laughs> you know, it seems like he killed himself, so maybe he's not eligible for their usual funeral customs, and they just want the body back without an autopsy or whatever. But it's a good question of how they do the autopsy because I think in the episode it's like I'm going to do the autopsy, and then it's like I did the autopsy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they, don't, they don't really show you how it's how it's done. So and yeah, she basically disobeyed an order, but I think. Patrick Devlin in the comments was pointing out, yeah, in Star Trek, you know, unless you're, say, Michael Burnham in Discovery, there usually aren't consequences to stuff that you do. So, yeah. What do you think about all that, Richard?
2: I I was just thinking of a little bit morbid uh, way of the, how they, they cut up the body, but they're, anyway, <laughs> it's like, I was just thinking like a like an old meat shop or something like that. I was like, oh damn, <laughs> was Did the uh, was,
1: like sliced bread? Yeah,
2: mm-hmm. like 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 how they used, I, I mean because he was like talking about uh, using knives and everything, and like and I was thinking of the um, the episode uh, "Message in a Bottle" from Voyager, uh, where they're talking about where that. Uh, emergency hologram doctor uh talks about uh we don't use knives or leeches or anything like that this is the 24th century yeah 24th century uh how we do things and yeah just Mm -hmm. yeah
1: (laughs) okay yeah yep
2: but thanks for the comment i'm surprised you didn't talk about the carpet
1: (laughs) well you know i think we cover the carpet pretty thoroughly in the episode (laughs) but i wonder how many listeners went back and looked at to see the carpeting.
2: What did we say about the body bag? I can't remember what we said.
1: Well I think it was that Patrick was saying like when when uh Jabril comes out on this slab that there's this thing that kind of looks like the half of a trash can and then it just kind of retracts so it doesn't seem like it has any purpose. I think that's oh, maybe what he meant.
2: Right, right, right. Okay. Now you <laughs> remember. Okay. I was like yeah. I can't remember what we said about body bags, but okay. All right. <laughs> well, there you go. Twenty-fourth century um, version of body bags. They don't seal. <laughs>
1: it's pa- apparently not.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Zach Moore said, uh, "Fun discussion, but at the end when you were listing Beverly episodes, you uh, you didn't remember the best one. Remember me?"
1: Yeah, Zach. I thought about that afterwards. Like we listed these different episodes, but we didn't list "Remember Me," which is a fantastic Beverly episode. So one sorry. Of the In best. the moment, we forgot. I I know, but, you know, things are flying by on the... Okay, I'm not going to make an excuse. We forgot. (laughs) We didn't remember. Remember me. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, on today's episode, so we're going to continue our ongoing series of favorite character moments. So this time it's season six, which we think is a fantastic season. And I think there's a lot of possibilities here. And we'll see what we come up with. So... Uh, Amy, do you want to give us your
0: first pick? I do. And uh, this was hard. And I think I say this every season, (laughs) but man, looking at the list of these episodes and I was usually when we do these, I try to, uh, pick out episodes or character moments that aren't so well known, just, you know, to give our listeners just, you know, a, a different perspective, But man, this season, I went for my favorites. I was like, I'm going to indulge. And so hopefully they won't be on your picks. We shall see if there's any duplicates. So I'm very excited for this one. So my number one character moment. Well, my favorite character. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Is Major Recall. And she is Face of the Enemy Deanna Troy, who is the Cardassian major recall. Romulan. Romulan. Oh, my gosh. See, I'm I'm in my DS9 rewatch. That's the problem. (laughs) You're seeing lots of Cardassians. I was just about to say, they don't look alike. (laughs) (laughs) No, they don't. Sorry, no. She did not have the spoon forehead. Um, So, yeah, she is Romulan. And boy, does she act the crap out of this episode. And I know it's not about the episode. So my favorite moment um, from... Uh, Deanna Troy slash Major Recall, is when she's uh, talking to Novak, and the plan has gone wrong um, because the uh, carrier, the transport ship, they blew that up and so they didn't know how to get these, uh, the three Romulans into Federation space. And they were just running out of plans. And so uh, she says to Novak. In just the best, sternest possible voice, and she's like channeling, you know, this Romulan. Oh, what, uh, what's the name of it? Uh, Tal Tal Shiar. Yeah. yeah, she's channeling this Tal attitude, and she's like, "Yes, you will. We're not doing it your way anymore, Novak." And they sort of go back and forth, and just now, you are going to listen to me. I'll have you ejected into space. Is that clear, Commander? She is so awesome and is taking control. She's using all of her skills, not only as a counselor, but as a commanding officer channeling this Tal Shiar. Like It is, by hands down, just my favorite character moment of season six. I love it. I love it. Deanna Troy is so awesome.
1: I mean, that's a fantastic episode. It's Quite possibly my favorite Troy episode of anything in, in the seven seasons because you do see her in this different role and she's trying to balance things. It's like, okay, yes. I'm a Federation officer, I'm a counselor, I'm empathic, but at the same time, I'm in this situation where if I don't act this role, I could get myself and a lot of other people killed and not have these Romulan defectors come over, which could be really important for the future of the Federation. So she's trying to balance this and she's playing along, but she gets to that point where it's like, and I love that scene as well. It's like, now is the time to listen to me. We've tried to do it your way. It hasn't worked. basically I'm ordering you to do that or I'll eject you into space and we know how how Troy is like she's the last person you'd think who would like eject someone into space yes,
0: or even threaten that
1: or even threaten that but because she's gotten to this point and is in this perilous situation I believe that she might actually do it you know if she's not happy with this guy because that's the role that she has to play so yeah fantastic pick from a really really great episode one of my favorites
0: Richard, was it too obvious I was gonna go there?
1: I wasn't even gonna pick it
2: to be quite honest. It, it was on <laughs> my honorable mentions, uh-huh. but I mean, I was like, yeah, it, it's yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I kind of figured you were gonna choose that anyway. Um, but yeah, no, I agree with you. It's a really good episode. Uh, kind of wish that we would have saw this a lot, lot sooner for uh, for her in the earlier seasons. But
1: more uh, undercover Troy.
2: <laughs> no, no, that's not what I mean. I mean like just her taking just demand. being. Well, not even command. It just, it it just, it just doesn't. It doesn't fit. What well, I mean, something like this, you would ne- probably never see in the first three seasons mm-hmm. uh, for her. Uh, just that um, being that assertive, um, you know, officer that you know. I guess we assume that she is, mm-hmm. uh, especially being on the Enterprise. But like, like I said, you know. It, finally we have writers that actually will uh, are willing to do that and um it shows obviously in this episode because i mean she's a standalone for the for most of it right. and um yeah i mean and especially with another especially with another woman um mm-hmm. that basically mirrors her and, and confronts her so i mean yay to the writers but sad that it happened so late
1: yeah, and that's another good point because she gets to to play off of this this um, female Romulan commander of of this vessel, and just like their interaction and things, it's wonderful. It's something you don't probably don't see enough in in TNG. Uh, yeah, and and like the, what I think about with with her training is she's had a lot of the same training that the other Starfleet officers have, mm-hmm. uh, but she doesn't get it tested as much like she does in this situation. This is probably one of her greatest tests, and that brings that out, which is. Which, is Which awesome.
2: you know, it's nothing. It's not her fault either. I mean, as, as a, I mean, I mean, really, I, I'm sure that I'm sure that in the beginning of the seasons that there, that ha, they had a hard time to fit her in anyway, right. only because I hate to say it, she's just a counselor. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, really, what does a counselor do on the front line? <laughs> you know what I mean? Counsel yeah.
1: Captain Picard, apparently. But you know
2: what I mean? I'm saying, I'm saying, like, it, it, it's just. It, you're not doing what everyone else is doing, is what I'm saying, and yeah. all you're doing is just you're staying on the ship doing nothing except for when they all come back, you get to hear about it and talk to them about it and and whatever trauma or whatever you know whatever a counselor would do uh, would do you know.
1: It's true, and a lot and a lot of times, especially early on, when she is off the ship, it's part of like a love story, so right? Exactly, it's a, it's a different kind of thing, right? Exactly.
0: Yeah. yeah, I just yeah, I think she just she didn't have the opportunity to test her command skills and training until now. So yeah. Okay. So that's my number right. one.
1: Excellent. Excellent choice. Not disappointing us <laughs> by having a Troy moment, but a very <laughs> strong one, of course. <laughs> uh, Richard, what's your first pick?
2: Well, I'm going to go with uh, my own uh, favorite too. Um, it's going to be Wharf, of course, or Worf, of course. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, Worf, of course. <laughs> and I chose uh, Rifle Air. And um, it's that moment when he's, I, I, I'm assuming he's been there a couple of days um, or whatever, and he's oh, at, pre-
1: the, at the monastery.
2: Yeah, at the monastery, praying or whatever, or whatever mm-hmm. they want to call it. And he just, Kayla's just a, all of a sudden just appears. <laughs> yeah, I love that moment because it's it. You could see it in his face that it's like, is this real, or mm-hmm. am I hallucinating? <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. and because I because what they go through a fast or something like that while they're doing yes. it as well, so. Yeah. Um, I I can only imagine uh, the the thoughts are going in his head or lack thereof because he's so you know exhausted from and not even thinking straight. So um, and then of course the entire episode is great too because I absolutely love um the whole Klingon lore and uh, and learning about the history and and whatnot. Um, because I'm a huge fan of um when it comes to traditions and and uh, previous histories for a lot of cultures. So um, but yeah, I absolutely absolutely love that episode.
0: <laughs> yeah. And that is a great moment because, you know, Worf and how dedicated he is to his culture. And, and you're right, that moment when Kayla appears, he's like, yeah, is this real? But then like his logic, you know, and his Starfleet training, it's like, there's has to be a, a reason, an explanation, but my faith, believes it, you know, and so you, you see that and it is a great moment. Good pick. And I sort of suspected you would have chosen that. (laughs) (laughs)
1: It's a, it's a really great moment. And I, I thought of choosing something from rightful Air, but maybe I steered away because I thought you might, you might do it. But you know what, what I really like about that episode as well is that you get to see Worf, not just in like one mindset or one way, but you get to see his progression over the course of it. Like he's doubting and wondering what's going on. Kales appears and he's like, oh, is this it? And then he really firmly believes it. Then he kind of is skeptical and believes it again. But then when they find out that this is really a clone, he makes the really smart decision like, well, yes, but it doesn't matter because he's been cloned from that important figure. He has the important teachings. Let's go with it. So this this is Worf kind of going through, you know, all of these different doubts and ways of thinking about it. Which I think you don't see enough him just kind of like trying to, to to work through things that way. And at the end of it, he's able to convince Gawron to accept it, and and the monks at, at Boroth to to accept it, and makes you know this thing that, <laughs> that's going to have a big impact in in the empire. So, yeah, I I just love the way that you see his his character and and that whole episode, and that's that's a really great moment that you chose. Richard, where he actually appears, because I think the first time I saw TNG, I was like, ah, where's this going? What's going on? I was like, oh, it's k What? What? (laughs) You know, I didn't quite expect them to do that. I thought it would be more about him going through the journey and not finding what he was looking for. Mm. So,
0: Good pick, Richard. Thanks.
1: (laughs) One Troy, one Worf. Remember, Amy, we've got to have a math moment.
0: Oh, I've got it.
1: You've got it. Okay.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So, Justin, what's your pick and how did you decide to go about it this time?
1: Yeah, you know, oftentimes we, we want to point up things that aren't thought about as much or episodes that don't get talked about as much. But as I thought about it more and more, I was like, I can't possibly pass up one of the most impactful and important episodes, probably in the whole series and in a lot of Star Trek. And that's Chain of Command Part 2, mm. which is the episode where Picard basically gets tortured by, by Gol Madrid. I mean, first of all, it's it's a fantastic episode, but I didn't actually pick something during any of those torture scenes. We've talked about some of that. We talked about on The Fathers of TNG, Golmadred showing his, his daughter in and all of that interaction. But I didn't pick that. One of the things that I picked, which I think is a really fascinating moment, is Picard's gone through this whole experience, right? And the way you've seen it from your perspective is Golmadred's trying to torture him, get him to believe, you know, that that there are four lights and and all of that, right? I'm sorry, get him to believe there are five lights. I always get confused. (laughs) Get him to believe there are five lights instead of four. And, you know, you you see Picard going through this, and it seems like when you're watching it, like, all right, he's totally resisting, he's stronger and all of that. But then at the end, Mm. there is this scene uh, with Troy Mm -hmm. where... Picard says, and I'll just quote the whole thing here because I think it's, it's really important. So Picard says, at the end, he gave me a choice between a life of comfort or more torture. All I had to do was to say that I could see five lights when in fact there were only four. And Troy says, you didn't say it. Picard says, no, no, but I was going to. I would have told him anything, anything at all. But more than that, I believed that I could see five lights. So that tells me a couple of things. And it, and it kind of spins, like when I first saw it, that spins that part of that episode in, in a different way because he has gone through such horrific torture that he's actually saying like, I would have told him anything at all <clears throat> for, for that to stop. And for a little bit, I actually believed it myself. So it's he, it's really gotten to him on that level. But despite that, he still says he still won't give Madrid the satisfaction. He still says there are four lights. So it it it's like it makes you appreciate kind of his his fortitude and his resolve in this situation all that much more because there's this big part of him that is actually even believing it and wants things to stop, but he's overcome that and you see him as as you see him in that scene where he says there there are four lights. So I I just love that part at the end because they didn't have to do that. They didn't have to kind of spin it in that different way, but it adds this other complexity and this other layer that makes you even more impressed with who Picard is.
0: Yeah, that you're right. At that very end where he believes and seeing those five lights that just spins the whole episode and you're right. And
1: I wonder if he's the Troy is the only one that he told that because I don't know if that would come up in a report or he would tell anyone else that. No, that seems Troy.
0: definitely a uh, counselor patient, you know. And it tells you that he he
1: really trusts her to be able to to tell her that because that's a very like vulnerable thing to say mm-hmm. like Yeah, it may have seemed but he did get through to me and I had to really resist even harder so.
0: Mm-hmm. That was a great moment, oh, so yeah. Good. I
1: think and and I think that ends the episode. So that's a yeah. fantastic way to kind of wrap up that episode. But what do you think about that, Richard? I, yeah,
2: yeah. I, I I I have nothing on it really, except I mean it's nothing good. But <laughs> but like uh, I, I I mean I could have done without without knowing that uh, that uh, he mm-hmm. was willing to break in. Yeah, I understand that the probably the the whole point of that. Uh, of that confession is to show the trust between Troy and him but at the same time it's also to,
1: it's also to show what can happen because i think part of the the crux of the episode is is to point up what can happen to a person under under torture and i think it you know adds adds a different layer to that that it's it's maybe even more
0: yeah because it's um, kind of not destructive. It's not just the physical it's that psychological torture.
2: I'd believe that if they would actually show that throughout uh from there on out. I don't believe it because they don't they don't I mean I do believe it. I do know what uh torture does to someone. That would, I mean, like I said, you know, continuity. <laughs> that's the biggest. That's the biggest issue with Star Trek altogether.
1: Hey, don't knock down my moment because uh, I'm not trying up on to it knock <laughs> it
2: down. <laughs> just, I'm just saying. I. I but yes, they yeah. should have
1: followed up on that, and there there should have been some recurrence for him or something.
2: That's why you say it's it's more it's more about Troy and Picard than anything else. Mm. Mm-hmm. It's not nothing to do. It has nothing to do with uh, Picard's character like that, or at least that last scene. It, uh, is. I mean, the rest of it is. But like, I mean. It just shows me that, I mean, he's vulnerable just like the rest of us. But at the same time, it's it's just like the whole, um, it's just like with Jane Wave uh, going through depression through the void. We don't we get we see her get through it for what one episode, and then we never see it again.
1: Uh, yes, yeah, that the, with, you know, with that more episodic era, that that can be an issue that they don't follow up on it because you would think the experience that Picard goes through that that he would have. He would need to go through some kind of like therapy or something for quite a while, be taken off duty for a while, because that's quite an intense experience. He might have nightmares or or issues that come up after that, but you never really hear about it again. Yeah. It's true.
0: And that's not to say that it's not happening, you know, because you're not going to see a TV episode, you know, about the boring stuff, even though that's the realistic stuff.
2: We saw it in Family. I mean, really him getting Yeah, there was over a follow up there. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, that's something that's just as. I mean, being a POW in a, in a sense, and you know, mm-hmm. torture is just as bad. I mean, if that' worse, I mean, depending on what they do, of course. Yeah, um, I can only imagine uh, the kind of trauma. It's probably more traumatic when uh, being tortured. Obviously, <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know what kind of torture he went through with the Borg. I don't. I it didn't show it, but I mean, at the same time, regardless, great. It's a great pick, regardless <laughs> of what. Uh, regardless, I uh, of my feelings towards it. Uh, towards the episode.
0: <laughs> well, and when you were talking about, you know, how that showing Picard's, you know, fortitude and and staying resisting, uh, it sort of reminds me a little bit like, you know, because he admits to almost, you know, seeing these five lights um, and in first contact uh, with Data and the Borg Queen and, you know, at the very end, Picard's like, would would you really have gone with the Borg Queen? You know, and he says, well, I thought about it for 0.68 of a second. And for an android, <laughs> right. that's an eternity. You know, so again, there's that similarity that it's like, okay, I'm resisting, resisting, resisting. But yet there's the smallest tinge of hint that, yeah, everyone's vulnerable. They're going to have a breaking point. Well,
2: and it, it, it all comes down to the point that also that you know it's it's part of the reason why torture is not not a reliable way to extract information right. from someone. It really isn't because, no. like like in the episode, he was willing to uh, save five lives. Well, I mean, if we're talking about just humans, y- yeah, I mean your your mind is willing to. It's a coping mechanism that uh, that you're you're willing to fabricate whatever you're trying you know, to get out of that situation. You know, just to make it's, it's it stop. about survival. Yeah, exactly. Uh, although I think in
1: Mag- Madrid's case, the reason that he is wanting Picard to say there are five lights is to have the acknowledgement that Picard is broken and will do anything that Madrid wants him to do.
2: Oh, no, no, absolutely. I was just talking about the last piece when he was talking yeah. to Picard. Yeah, or oh, yeah, uh, would, I would was,
1: was talking to Troy and says I would have said anything. And right. yeah, that is the big problem with with torture because it can get to the point where someone is willing to say anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and right. oftentimes it might not be true because they just want it to stop in that moment. Exactly. Right.
2: Exactly.
0: Good pick, Justin.
1: Thank you. And I mean it's a good point, Richard. Uh, I thought about no no not I mean it really to, not is. trying to
2: knock you down either <laughs> no but I mean, you're right it's just my reservations about that episode as great
1: an episode as it is if there would have been a follow up it would have elevated it probably oh
2: absolutely
1: yeah. absolutely yeah. yeah all right Amy your second pick
0: okay so this one might be a little controversial but I'm Wesley trying Wesley
1: Crusher is not in this season
2: <laughs> I was gonna say I was like yeah there's nothing <laughs> controversial in this season. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh, because I think this episode is not, well, there, I think I hear a lot of people complaining about the episode and how it was, it came out and that's relics, but I wanted to find the good in it. Um, and we see Geordi uh, not behaving very nicely to Captain Scott, Scotty, as he keeps insisting. I think it's funny. They always keep calling him Captain Scott. He's like, he's telling you, call him Scotty, but whatever. <laughs> um, so, you know, Jordy's not behaving very well towards our lovely icon, Scotty, there. Um, and then Picard sort of rebuffs him and says, you know, he needs to feel useful. So it's not an order but, you know, make him, help him to feel useful. And what I love about this and what I think it shows in Geordi's character is, you know, he, he was right. He had to do what the captain said within an hour. He was on a time. He had to do his job. He didn't have time to, you know, show engineering around to Scotty. But, um, so even though he was in the right, he didn't have the the right to treat him so hostily i think so he gets rebuffed from picard and i think it just shows his character that after that he could have very childishly oh, why fine i have to do this and you know taking that attitude but he actually learns and develops a good friendship with with uh, scotty and you know and is when they're on the ship on scotty's old ship you know, and they're going through all oh, these things are a relic and blah, blah, blah. And Jordy's like, well, just because something is old doesn't mean you throw it away. And like, has that realization of, you know, the old things and, and how we, you know, can learn from them and how we use them and how we grow from them. And I just think it shows his character of, you know, accepting this and turning his attitude and perspective. To make to end up where they actually are friends by the end of the episode, and I think that's huge and says a lot about Jordy's character.
1: Yeah, and I mean, there's I think there's actually a parallel with with Barclay because I think in <clears throat> in Hollow Pursuits, you know, Jordy I think is talking to Picard and he's like, "Oh, this guy Barclay, like, what what can I do? Nobody wants him." And it's like, wait, 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 just see if you can spend some time with him. And, you know, and, and I think later on, they become a lot more friendlier, they work better together. So mm-hmm. it almost seems like when Jordy is first, like encountering someone, maybe he had seen Barclay before, but, but like in the case of, of, uh, of Scotty, it's like, he's encountering someone who's kind of an annoyance to him. And Jordy doesn't care if he's like a legend, he's been lost for a long time and mm-hmm. all that. He's just like, Stay out, stay away, because I need to do my work. But he's willing to a- adjust to that. And you're right; by the end, they're working together to get out of the Dyson sphere. and And I think it's it's great. I, I know this episode does get kind of some some criticism, but I've always enjoyed it. I like that that we got Scotty on TNG, and I think overall it's an enjoyable episode. But you know, I I can understand. So, so, what are the criticisms you, you've heard about it?
0: Well, that Jordy's mean to Scotty. So, that's the first one. Uh-huh. Uh, that Scotty is, you know, just in his liquor and reminiscing, and that that doesn't really shed him in the best of light,
1: mm. you
0: know. And so, I it's, see that. yeah. So, that, those are, <clears throat> excuse me, the, the two largest concerns that people that I've heard have with this episode. Okay,
2: so I actually like this episode quite a bit, and it's and it's not be, it, uh, it's not because of you know I mean the criticism that that most people I mean it's this is a perfect example of what's going on today when it comes to workforces changes of, changing hands of workforces, and the reason why I say that is that so obviously Jordy being the new age and then Scotty being the old age, it's just. And I'm, I'm I'm experiencing it now. Funny enough, and I'm only 35. <laughs> <laughs> you're <laughs> not 100. And- I know. I'm not 100 yeah, and, and so and odd years. And,
1: and think about this: the the difference in time period between you know Scotty coming forward 75 years. It's like if someone came from 1943 and was trying to like do your job, Richard. Like it would be <laughs> yeah. impossible. There's so much that's happened, right? Right. And it's probably the same the same kind of thing with with Scotty. But you're probably experiencing it on a much smaller time scale than that because things are moving so quickly well
2: yeah exactly and you know when you're dealing with people coming into like I mean it's not just me it's I mean my brother funny enough my brother's seen it <laughs> and he's in <laughs> Europe but like it's like you, you you, get these new people and they're it's great the enthusiasm's great the the uh, the confidence is great and all that kind of stuff I want to get this done I want to get that done I want to please the boss and all that kind of stuff which is great all great things really is but <laughs> when you ignore the experience, and then um, and then on top of that, disrespect the experience, and basically, you know, like as as we all as we saw that, um, you know, obviously Scotty hasn't completely gone completely useless because Jordy need uh, Jordy uh, need, needed the expertise on on that shuttlecraft uh, shuttlecraft, but like at the same time it's a great, it's a great example of, of changing a and it's not just this generation or last generation. It's any generation really, mm-hmm. um, when you're changing workforces, especially when you're coming, when it comes to like, um, how, how everyone does, does things differently, which is fine in everything. But like at the same time, it's just, it's, it's a great, it's a great lesson to be learned that, you need to respect, not, not. I don't want I don't want to say elder because I'm not an elder. <laughs> so, uh,
1: respect the more experienced people. There you maybe?
2: go. Mm-hmm. There you go. Respect yeah. your more experienced people. Your seniors. No, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't no, really know. Like
0: no. Yes, <laughs> more experienced.
2: More experienced. There you go. I mean, and it's just, and it's any industry, really, especially when you're doing production. No. I mean, really, that's ultimately what it boils down to is production. If you're doing anything, I, I don't know. No, I think it, I think it could be transformed to any industry, but like I mean, it's just it's just a great lesson to learn that not everyone not I mean, like I said, you know, not everything uh, is old you throw away, and and I, I understand that you know it's I understand that drinking um, him drinking and you know doesn't shed the best light, but at the same time, I mean, really if we're talking about like the 60s and stuff like that, didn't everyone drink <laughs> back
1: then? You well, and there, were, there were times in TOS where like p- a plot point would revolve around Scotty's drinking. So it's mm-hmm. <laughs> so not like it was just introduced on TNT. Yeah, but exactly. It's, it's, it's more emphasized because it's the one episode.
2: <laughs> Shoot, I'd be drinking too if I was like, uh, if I felt lost asleep. for 75 <laughs> years. Oh <my> gosh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: like,
0: well, um, yeah, I think you're right that, yeah, Jordy through this episode his character arc, you know, is exactly saying what what you are pointing out, Richard, that we all need to and that we see that Jordy does, you know, respect the experience and, you know, use it and yeah. I th- I think Jordy his character arc in this is really good.
2: Yeah. And I, and I like that he uh he recognizes that and that um, you know, being a mentor and, you know, uh, I don't know if he's the same generation as Scotty. No, probably not. No, Picard's not really. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he's Picard, old, but not Picard, that old. Picard
1: was Picard wasn't even alive when Scotty got <laughs> That's right. lost. Yeah. Not so, lost, but, but it got see, stored in the transporter. Yeah. But yeah. at the same
2: time, he you know he teaches him to respect it and to you know get to know him sort of thing. And mm-hmm. I, I really like that being as a mentor or, or well his captain, and at the same time he can be his mentor because obviously yes. you know. So I, I really like that. Yeah, excellent. See, there's Great a good positive spin. <laughs> <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> Richard, your second pick.
2: So I'm gonna go a little bit goofy here. You guys can definitely listen to the interview for Morgan Gendel. So obviously, if you if I you hear that name, you know what episode I'm gonna be talking about. But uh, Earl Grey 167, we uh, well, I interviewed uh, Morgan Gendel, and we talked about Starship Mine.
0: I and, knew it. Yeah. I was like, oh, am I gonna pick this? No, Richard will get it. Well, <laughs> it,
2: and you know. I, I I love that. I really love this episode when it deals with Picard, but that's not the reason why I I, um, I chose it. Because uh, we're talking about favorite character moments. Yeah, so so I'm
0: interested.
2: I, I love Data <laughs> mimicking Hutch's uh, behavior. <laughs> oh, it is freaking hilarious, and it's like, and I'm sure he had a blast doing that. And uh, I, I absolutely love that he's like copying him and you know, basically mimicking his behavior and Hutch doesn't seem to notice it. He's oh, like, no, that's oh. what's <laughs>
0: funny about it. Yeah. So
2: it's just, it, it, those two going on, I'm sure they had a blast. uh, um, and it was just, I, I could only imagine the, how many outtakes it took, uh, to get that right. Um, but like, uh, I absolutely love it. It's, 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 it's a funny, I mean, obviously seeing, you know, uh, Ricard being a badass um, and then, of course, you know, uh, Data being the funny part of the episode. It's it's a great it's a great balance of the two. So I, I absolutely love it.
0: <laughs> yeah, that is good. Uh, and again, just showing Data continually trying to understand this human experience, you know, and when they're going at it back and forth, call me Hutch Hutch Hutchinson. And it's just... And they do the small talk forever and you're like really this has got to stop and it just keeps going on and on and just how quick Data picks up and mimics him so perfectly. It's its great. Good pick. I love it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah and of course when we think of Starship Mind, we think Die Hard on the Enterprise, Picard just like running around like setting traps, shooting arrows stuff like that but there is that really funny, funny scene and like this yeah the small talk that that data has is is hilarious because like I wanted to pull some of it some of it out out of here because it's just so funny like the things they talk about that like are so boring and don't mean anything
0: absolutely the weather I think they talk about
1: mm-hmm. well I think they talk about color choice like oh. data says the pleasure is mine Hutch I have a meaning to compliment you on your choice of colors here <laughs> oh you really think so <laughs> it wasn't easy making a final decision let me tell you I can well imagine the light in this room would make color selection exceptionally problematic. Yeah. Precisely. I mean, they just go on and on like that, and it's hilarious.
2: It's like us talking about uh, carpet on the walls. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> Have you noticed the aesthetic effects of carpeting on the ceiling of Shuttlecraft? Well, and it's funny <laughs> oh, yes. because
0: before when uh, Data actually gets to Hutch, like he's going around to everyone on the crew you know, practicing his small talk. And then who is it that's like, you need to meet, you know, Hutch. Who Who is that? I think it was Beverly, wasn't it? Yeah.
1: Because yeah, he was talking to Beverly. Yeah.
0: Yeah. She's like, oh, Data, let me introduce you. And then, yeah, the rest is history. It's awesome.
1: Yeah. And I think I've said it before. I love those TNG episodes where they start out with something funny before they get into the serious action to just kind of break things up so it's not like serious all the way through. It's, yeah.
0: It's a good it's mix. Great. You're right. Good balance.
1: Excellent pick, Richard. Keeping things a little light.
0: Thanks. Love it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so my second pick okay can you guys guess what my second pick would be yes
0: wait, wait, wait. Mm-hmm. What, what let me roll out my piano
1: yeah richard got it <laughs> <laughs> times arrow part two oh. yes my first time on earl gray i think we talked about times arrow and how much i love it but times arrow part two the part that i wanted to to highlight i mean there's a lot of fun and i love mark twain and all that stuff but Like, my favorite moment of that is when you see Guinan and Picard, and they're in the cave in the 19th century when I think everyone's gone back over to the the 24th century. And you, you see them, like, interacting together. And, you know, they have this special relationship we found out before. And this is, and it's weird because it's like, it's the first time they're meeting, but they've really met 500 years in the future. It's like the first time from Guinan's perspective, but not the first time from Picard's. Um, And I just love some of like the, the dialogue that, that they have here. Yeah, because Guinan's wondering like, why did you stay here? And Picard says, you were hurt. I had to make sure you were all right. And so you stayed for that. I didn't want anything to happen to you. You're far too important to me. You know, an awful lot about me. Believe me, in the future, the tables will be turned. So we become friends. It goes far beyond friendship. And I just love that, I mean, we only find out a little bit of it in The Next Generation, really, but that they have this really kind of special and unusual friendship, and that, you know, Guinan has this interaction, she's next going to see Picard like 500 years after that. I, I, I mean, I think it hints at a lot more, but, they, but I, I just love that, and that it just kind of, crosses these time barriers and and all of that. I don't know, it's hard for me to put it in words, but I think there's their relationship is really special and I love that like in that moment you you find out from something in the past like why their relationship is so important in the future. So, I, I had to pick that.
0: I agreed. And so we always have seen Guinan and Picard and their special relationship and how much he trusts her and how much she trusts him. And, and so you're, it sort of answers that question like, well, why, why is she so important to Picard? Why is she so willing to help him and to be on the ship and to go with him and, you know, stick up for him and tell him when. And so then when it, it sort of answers that question, because when they go back in time, so then his caring towards Guinan in the cave is now what she's carrying forward and we get to see why their history is so rich together. You know, it's it's a great loop.
1: Yeah, and he's risked his life to to be there because there would be a possibility that, at least from her perspective, that he he won't get back. So I I, I like it a lot. Yeah. Thoughts, Richard?
2: No, I like the episode. I mean, it's yeah. I mean, it's a great moment between the two. I mean, it, I kind of want to be. The, uh, I I kind of want there to be more to the relationship, or at least us to find out mm-hmm. more. But I mean. We get what we get, you know what I mean. I <laughs> so, know, but, yeah. Richard.
1: You want more follow-ups and more continuity? I do. We, I but do. we can't go back in time and change that, or can we? Yeah. Ooh.
2: yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but no, I mean, it's a great moment. It really is. It does. It it de- definitely sig- uh, signifies on how important Gideon uh, has for, or how important yeah uh, guy is for um, for Picard. And he may not know that, or and she knows that more than anyone else. But I mean, maybe I mean after this point now she knows and or now he knows and then it it would it's a you know it's a far better relationship um after that so um for sure um a great pick yeah
0: yeah
1: thank you (laughs) all right so amy your third pick
0: okay oh this one again just one of my favorites um so this character is lieutenant will Riker from second chances what I'm choosing this character moment sort of lasts a little bit more than a moment. So, but when Thomas Riker is sending Deanna on the scavenger hunt and then their conversation in 10 forward, like what I love about that is even though it's Tom Riker, but that's really, we're getting this character development of Will Riker eight years ago and like how they are both describing Looking up into the stars and if they think strong enough that, you know, the other might feel, you know, their love and and that they're thinking about each other. And I just think that that really builds the Riker and Troy relationship far beyond what we've seen anything before. And so even though it's Thomas Riker, it really is a reflection of Will Riker eight years ago. And how that builds their relationship. So I'm a little romantic here. <laughs> no,
1: I know I like that a lot, but I have a question. Like, is it a true reflection of the way Will Riker was eight years before? Or is it a reflection of Will Riker eight years before plus all of this isolation that he's had? Yeah, it's, exactly it's yeah. plus
0: the isolation yeah. for sure. And so that's why, you know, when when Will is saying you need to be careful. You know, because he's me and I chose my career and I don't want to see you hurt. But Thomas now has that eight years of isolation where I think he would never betray Troy like that or choose his career over Troy because of that isolation. Because, yeah, they are definitely two different people now.
1: Yeah. But it's true. You do get an insight into what that Will Riker would have been before we see him Mm -hmm. in season one.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and their relationship together.
1: So. Mm-hmm. All right, Richard.
2: I like that. Yeah. I mean, it definitely. Um, uh, well, I don't know. Uh, I don't know if um, that's a feeling or if the feelings can translate across planets. I don't know. <laughs> but like, yeah, no, I definitely see. it. I definitely see it. I, I, uh, see it. I could. I can see that that he's still pining for her, and she feels the love, and she thinks it's coming from uh, from William Riker, but. It's really, really probably t- not, yeah. So, um, I, I kind of like that. It's um, sort of like that star cross lovers sort of thing, sort yeah. of thing, or theory, or, what, or whatever you want to call it. Um, I don't know what it's called, yeah. I like that
1: galaxy crossed, maybe.
2: Ga- mm, yeah, it's not across
1: galaxies, but sector, <laughs> sector, quadrant, <love. laughs> quadrant crossing, and I just love the oh,
0: little not. scavenger hunt that he sends her through. But- that's so cute. Anyways, I can go on with
2: That's enough mushiness. Aww. <laughs> Aww. Everyone say it together. Aww.
0: Aww. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, so, Richard, I don't know if your third pick will be mushy. I kind of doubt it, but what would it be?
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm sorry to disappoint. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, uh, I'm just going to choose one of my favorite episodes as the entire season, and that uh, would be Tapestry. I mm-hmm. absolutely love tapestry. It's uh, it's definitely one of those episodes where you know you, you think about your choices and all that kind of stuff. And obviously, it's the it's the final moments of the of the episode uh, where he's talking to Riker um, about you know what happened and. Uh, Honestly, to me, you know, yeah, Riker asked, you know, whether or not it was a game or, or uh, if there was, if there was a lesson to be learned. And I really think it's a really good lesson that, and something that Q did for him that, um, you know, that anyone can really relate to. I mean, especially a problem that you know, or not a problem, or maybe you went through something that that was a close call and it changed everything in your life.
0: Mm -hmm. You know,
2: we hear it all the time in the news or from other people about fighting God and or you know other things you know they do humanitarian projects and everything and that's what they do for the rest of their life sort of thing right. and, it, and it's it's
1: oh you said finding for a second i thought you said fighting god no 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 yeah. fighting
2: uh, finding. Finding god <laughs> sorry
1: <laughs> i was like what well it, it's it's just
2: it's very it's it's re, it's very reassuring that you know that something like that ha- still ha- well obviously we don't Officially, no, but um, but like something like that happens in the twenty fourth century, or at least the thought of uh th- doing something like that is still there, in or at least in the in the future that we can, you know, ultimately reflect and do. I, I mean, I hope he does better things, <laughs> um, but it definitely reevaluates in uh your priorities. And really, I, you know, again, I know I keep saying it every time, (laughs) but like, I really wish that, you know, he would uh, get his priorities straight uh, on his whole family and all that kind of stuff. But, you
1: know. So Richard, I have a question for you because like Tapestry, I think it's an excellent episode, but the more that I've seen it, there's something about it that I question a bit because, One of the messages that I see out of it, and I could be like way off and I could just be alone in this, but one of the messages that it seems is in order to get where you need to go or, you know, to be captain instead of, I guess in the uh, alternate timeline where some of this stuff doesn't happen, he's just like a science lieutenant or something Mm -hmm. for a long time. But it seems like the, the defining thing in his life is actually going through with this fight and being stabbed in the heart to to me it almost seems like the message is that sometimes you have to take do a risk. the fighting. Well, it, take a risk. I I agree. But if I look at it specifically, it's like him being part of this fight, like changed his whole career and that it's putting like a certain like positive spin. Oh, on absolutely.
2: That. No, I agree with that. What, what I mean by the whole looking back, it's not just, it's like, you know, I'll, I'll take, uh, take my own life. Uh, for example, you know, ha- uh, She's upstairs too, uh, Eva, <laughs> my daughter. <laughs> sometimes some people, uh, you know, there are sometimes where I get frustrated and I get really, you know, bogged down, you know, because she has a lot more energy than I do. Of course, yeah. you know, so what child Kids. does
0: it? Kids, <laughs> exactly. Kids. Yeah,
2: <laughs> but like there are days where it's like I think, you know, what would it be like if I didn't have her? You know, and it, it's, I mean, it's not obviously not the same as being impaled in a heart. I've got more, more. Uh, <laughs> traumatic events that have happened to me, but I'm saying that the most significant out of anything that anything I've, everything that I've done since her birth, I do not regret because if I did or anything before that, if I did or even, even after that, um, but like, anyway, regardless, you know, if it didn't happen, I wouldn't have my little girl mm-hmm. that I absolutely love and that I cherish with it, with everything that I have. Um, and then of course, you know, and of course my wife happened as well too. Can't men- not mention her cuz she'll kill me. <laughs> uh, but like uh but like it's just it's just like you know it, 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 I agree you know you have you have to take risks in order to uh to advance in your career and it's the same thing with most careers especially if you're if there's lots of competition or lack thereof and you have to basically cut through um, competition or you know undercut competition by being better but like it's it's same it's the same idea and i, I see i see that same lesson i'm just saying that if don't it, it the whole episode to me is not to regret your choices and to okay. in what and, and you know be the person that you are that you've already made and basically make uh you know make changes and adapt uh the best the way you can and as we found out with Picard, you know, after that, even though he had a fake heart, he still became the man that, he, the the great man that he is, captaining uh, the flagship of the Enterprise. Whereas, really, would he have done that if he had a real heart, you know, sort of thing? And I agree with that. And, you know, it's mm. just, yeah, it's about life okay. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and, and I, I could see that. I just try to, like, wrap my head around it. And I guess the way I can think about it is that, the choices in your life have all led up to, you know, this moment that you're experiencing now. And some of those things at the time, it might have seemed like that was a really bad idea. Mm-hmm. But it took you in a direction that was more positive. Like, I think the sense that we get from the episode was that actually Picard was kind of rowdy and not disciplined and, and was...
2: He's my kind of guy. <laughs> <laughs>
1: But but you get this, the sense that it's in a certain way that something dramatic needed to happen, like this fight with the Gnosticans and him being impaled in the heart for him to reassess and then be able to eventually be on a trajectory, you know, to become a captain in, in, in Starfleet. Maybe that's the message of the of the episode like sometimes you need those things that seem at the time to be the worst that could happen like i just got stabbed through the heart that's terrible right. but maybe it's those things that help you to reassess where you've been and to to get to a better place so
2: right and it and it can be any for for anyone to to make a positive change in your own life i mean maybe something like going to jail or something like that you know that be like oh no i don't want to do this for the rest of my life sort of thing and that changes everything or i almost fell off a damn cliff (laughs) because I was being stupid and uh, reckless or I was drunk or something like that. You know, that could also be something as, as well. I mean, it's just like with anyone else. I mean, especially when they're all doing bad, uh, bad things that, you know, it takes one thing that'll kick you in the rear and then make you go that positive direction. So.
0: Yeah. I think that's a really good point, uh, Richard, that you're saying like, yeah, end up in jail and you know, then you change your life and, you know, you live out. And so, say, 20 years later, it's like, man, that was a really stupid thing. You know, it, it was a negative thing, breaking the law, getting caught, going to jail type of thing. So, if you would have gone back and not gone to jail, like, how would your life have been different? You know, maybe mm-hmm. going to jail was the thing that you needed. So that you could implement change, recognize that you didn't want to go down this path type of thing. So, yeah, the fact of going to jail is not a good thing. The fact that Captain Picard gets in a fight with this Nausicaan is not a good thing. But yet the result and how he changes it and how that changes his life. So where he is now, I think that's a really good character moment. Absolutely.
1: All right. Thank you, Richard and Amy. You've addressed my question and small <laughs> objection to the episode. I'm going to enjoy it more the next time. <laughs> <All right>. Sweet. <laughs> okay, so my third choice. I was thinking about this and maybe shuffling things a bit between my third choice and what I thought would be an honorable mention. Because when you, when you talked about second chances, Amy, I'm going to elevate this to my number three. It's also from second chances, but a different moment. Okay. Because I think it it, it complements that. Because, you know, you were talking about learning about Will Riker through Thomas Riker as he is kind of manifesting and giving you a window into Tom into Will Riker mm-hmm. <laughs> eight years before. I think there's something else that gives us a, a window into that because there's a scene between Tom and Will where they're having this disagreement about, about how to how to do things. And Will says, I just met with the captain about your mission recommendation. I would appreciate it if next time you came to me first. And Thomas says, I tried talking to you yesterday on the station. You wouldn't hear me out. I heard you, Lieutenant. I rejected your plan. May I ask what the captain decided? The captain has decided to go with your recommendation, but that's not the point, isn't it? If you think I'm coming down on you because the captain overruled me, think again. I happen to disagree with his decision, but he is my commanding officer and I follow his orders. Just so there's no confusion, I am your commanding officer and I expect you to do the same. If you can't, there's no place for you on my away team. So first of all, like, if this was a real thing, wouldn't that be weird? You are in command of the person who is, like, your duplicate. (laughs) I don't know, maybe that could happen with identical twins. But but, but what I think is really interesting, like, this time when I when I looked at that moment, I actually drew a parallel between Will Riker and Shelby in Best of Both Worlds. Exactly. (laughs) Because Shelby is this person that is, you know, supposed to be following Riker's orders, but it's, I don't have the exact quote here, but, but she's saying basically like, you know, I went to the captain because I thought it was a good idea and I thought you would reject it. And, and, you know, Riker's, you know, given her
0: almost the same speech you know it's like you run around me again i'll whip you back so fast so you fast, know
1: yeah oh yeah but then of course also in best of both worlds i think there's a there's a later scene where he realized where i think yeah i think it's before picard gets assimilated so picard is is telling Riker like i remember a first officer who was like that too and it's like, yes, and you see that in Second Chances, that Tom Riker is that person that Will Riker was just trying to to kind of like go over the captain's head and do things their own way and not follow the chain of command because he's eager to do things. And I thought that was a really great character moment for, I don't know, maybe it's for both of them because mm-hmm. you're, it's just like illuminating like who this Thomas Riker person is and it's also illuminating who Will Riker was before and kind of confirming that, yeah he was really like like shelby was and that maybe that's what annoyed him so much about it but it also tells you how much will Riker has changed now he's the kind of person like he is a first officer he's had this additional experience and he's like we need to follow the chain of command and and i think even in best of both worlds when he's talking to shelby he's really annoyed about that but you know he's still going to try to follow the chain of command and in fact in Best of Both Worlds, he elevates Shelby to be his first officer while while Picard is is with the Borg, and kind of learns to to trust that. And in, and I think in a similar way in, in Second Chances, the two of them kind of learn to to work together a little bit better. I don't know. I just think it's really a nice parallel, and you get to just see more of who Will Riker was and how he's gotten to that place and some of the things he's still struggling with.
0: I love that. That you pointed that out because I, yeah, instantly saw the same with the Shelby. But the fact that you say that Picard, you know, told Will, yeah, you were like that. And then here we are seeing how he is. Oh, I love that. That was And great. it's
1: himself like basically yeah. t- doing that to him.
0: <laughs> yeah, that is awesome. Ooh, that gave me chills. <laughs>
1: But I, but I love that when we when we do this, and I'm, that was a connection for whatever reason I'd never made before. Like, oh, it's the one that she, that he was talking about before, and and this confrontation with Shelby. So, yeah. what do you think, Richard? Yeah,
2: I could see that. Um, I was just thinking about who, um, who benefits more out of it than um, out of the two? Because I was, I, I think, I, I do believe probably the older Riker, well, William Riker, um, only because. Thomas Riker obviously did is you know stuck on that planet. He's really doesn't. There's no real character movement for him except for he's been pining for Troy since then. So, um, but like I was thinking, I'm like trying you know, to
0: survive.
2: Well, yeah, that too. But I mean, besides that, oh. <laughs> I mean, besides the normal you know survival. But like yeah, for I'm the
1: saying, most for the most part, he's pining for Troy. He's fixing stuff and he's bored, is what it seems it, like. Because oh, there's like exactly. no one else there, right?
2: Right. Whereas Williams, Williams, you know, off. Doing, you know, missions and all that kind of stuff and, what, and whatnot. It, fight the Borg and everything. So I was just thinking, it's like, you know, I, I that sounds so familiar because, like, I've, I've gone through that uh, myself in my own career where, you know, I, I used to be feel like you're stuck that. on a planet for eight yeah. years. <laughs> no, 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 no. I mean, being the hotshot and, you know, going around you know, my seniors and everything. And I was like thinking the same thing. And it's like, and that happened recently to me not too long ago that someone did that to me and I was really mad. But then again, I was more mad at myself at the fact that I didn't listen to her and that I was like...
1: And then that was you before, right?
2: It was me before. Don't don't get me wrong. I was a hot yeah. job when I first started my job. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Believe you me. I mean, <laughs> but like, it was just like, it's like, it's just, it's just, it just brings back memories. I mean, it's just that the person who's the senior obviously uh, gets more out of it only because especially if something like that, you know, I mean, obviously you got to snap them back, you know, and be like, Hey, you know, bring them into the fold of uh, of, um, when you're the senior. But like I'm saying, like, it's just, it's, it's a great, it's a great um, lesson to be learned that you need to start listening to ever, what everyone has to say, regardless of what the, if the idea is good or bad. And actually formulate the the possibilities uh that it could be better than what you already have so i i I absolutely love that uh that moment so yeah that's great that's that's a great reflection i'm glad you said that because i like i said i've gone through it too recently (laughs) very recently yeah (laughs) wow yeah
1: amazing how we make make these connections with our own lives i know right (laughs) yeah (laughs) Star Trek, illuminating our lives for 52 years. that's why we love it. (laughs) So Amy, you have any honorable mentions? I haven't heard a math moment yet.
0: Well, we do need (laughs) our math character and shows up in The Chase. And they are trying to figure out uh, what these number blocks are. And lo and behold, the number blocks are mathematical representations of fragments of DNA. And it forms this geometric pattern, which I love how they show on the screen, that recognizes there's that missing link um, from that uh, mathematical number set. So math is there everywhere so it's not only just like sequence of numbers but then it's also tying into geometry so it's like a twofer i love it
1: you know they're doing such like like innovative and new analysis it makes you wonder if they should have like a math officer because maybe sometimes like there's some some like new math or a different interpretation of math that's that's needed that maybe beyond what like an engineer learned, but they don't seem to have sign me up. (laughs) Sign me up. (laughs) Yes. Professor Amy Nelson, our math officer. (laughs) That's great. Yeah. You pick up these things and I just I don't even think about it. Something flashes by and I'm like, oh cool. Geometric progression, whatever. (laughs) Like geometric progression. (laughs) Um, (laughs) That's great. Did you learn some new math there, Richard?
2: Oh, I'm sorry. What? <laughs> 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 no, no. I
1: That's
2: great. I I, I I I I think I remember uh, saying that. You know, I don't know. I I I I don't look for those kind of stuff like Amy does. I mean, it's it's great. I mean, it really is. I mean, but sometimes when you hear all that techno babble, sometimes it's like, okay, you basically just said uh, turn it on and off. <laughs> big words
1: well this one says analyze it but you know
2: what i mean i'm just saying that's how i <laughs> yeah, see yeah. technical uh okay. technical babble. Yeah.
1: um in, i don't in know It's just my
0: ears pick up on it
1: richard any honorable mentions for you
2: no um everything has been uh picked so yeah
1: i have one
0: okay i i have another one also if, if it's not yours Oh, no,
1: you, you go first oh. with your second honorable mention.
0: Okay, so it still comes from Second Chances, um, but it's a Worf one-liner. Uh, so Data is asking Worf, you know, when they're down and Will and Thomas are having their beef with each other. And so Data approaches Worf and asks him, you know, it's like, um, why do you think it's so difficult? I, You know, I see that humans are like to be unique. And uh, he asks Worf, "It's like Worf, if you met yourself, would you be having this difficult of a problem?" And Worf says, "Yes, I think I would." And Data's like, "Why?" He's like, "I can be difficult to get along with." And then Data's like, mm, nods like in agreement, and I just <laughs> love that. It's so I Worf's one-liners. We there's too many, too many. I can be difficult to get along with. Data nods in agreement. Mm. Yeah.
1: oh Yeah, Worf has the best one-liners. And you know what? I think they're just as good in DS9.
0: Okay, well, if I'm getting better. there. I'm getting you're there.
1: Get, you're getting there. Listeners, Amy is doing a, I'd say rewatch. I think there may be some that you missed or had forgotten about, but a rewatch. And you're in season three, right? I am. Yeah. Yeah. But Worf comes in in season four. Watch out for his one-liners. They're great. All
0: right. <laughs> Okay, so what's your honorable mention?
1: Well, so my honorable mention, it's something I probably talked about in our Roe episode way sometime last year. But it comes from Rascals, Mm -hmm. which I know is not everybody's favorite episode, but I think it's a really fun episode. Yeah, it is. Whether or not people could actually be taken back to being children. But I think it's a fun episode. But what I really like is how it ends. So it ends with this scene where Guinan is now an adult again, but Roe is still young. And Guinan sees Ro and she's, you know, doing a a, a drawing and I'll just kind of read out the the scene because she's drawing when Guinan enters and and Rose says, it's my mother. The funny thing is, I never really drew a picture of her when I was young. It's just for some reason I wanted to now. And Guinan says, that's the wonderful thing about crayons. They can take you to more places than a starship. And Rose says, it's my turn, isn't it? Guinan says, only if you're ready. And Rose said, it's not quite as bad as I remembered it. Being a child, I mean. Well, we'd better get going. And Guinan says, "Well, what's the hurry? I mean, the transporter will still be there." And there's, it, there's kind of like a long shot. And the episode ends. There's a couple of things that I love about it because you know that Row has been through all of these traumatic experiences during the Cardassian occupation of of Bajor, and you know all this other stuff in in her life. And like this has been her chance to be a child. She was really resistant to it before. Guinan says you should have fun with it. But like at the end of it, she gets this opportunity she never really had to actually, like, be a child. And Guinan, you know, in her wisdom is like, you know, it can wait. You need to just have this time. And what I would have loved that never happened, this kind of gets to your point on some of these things, Richard, is that so you see, you know, Roe as this kid mostly in Rascals. Then the very next time you see her is her last appearance in in Preemptive Strike where basically, you know, she's being promoted, but then she jumps over to the Maquis and all of that. What I really would have loved to see was what happens in between there and what impact this experience that she had to actually experience something of of a part of her life that she thought was was lost, like her her childhood that she could never get to again, and trying to understand a little bit more and and kind of integrate more her her experiences, what that would have been like, but we never got that that follow up. But I think it's really it's really poignant that she's getting this chance to to kind of do that and not worry about all of these adult responsibilities and Guinan is going to be with her there for, for as long as, as she needs to. So I I just love that scene. And it's one of my, it's one of my favorite things. And I think Guinan does through some different episodes, you know, a a lot of great, sorry, Amy, I'm going to call it counseling. (laughs) No. Okay. Uh. She's okay. She's She's a a great friend. friend. She's a great friend who helps, Roe through all of these things that she's going through. And of course guide you her. guys and listeners know I <laughs> guide her. Yeah. That I, I love Roe as, as a character because she's she's really fascinating to me. But I, I love that scene. I think it's very poignant.
0: And that is, and you're right. It, You know, as a teacher, sometimes I see kids not have a childhood because of the choices that their parents make and And some extenuating circumstances, death and stuff like that, where these kids have to take on so much adult responsibility and it breaks my heart. And what an opportunity for Ro to have that experience of having safety in, you know, while she's a child uh, with Guinan, who's, you know, protecting her that she trusts. Um, Just an amazing opportunity for for Ro.
2: It's kind of sad, really. I mean, it's, it's good. It's good. It's a great moment. At the same time, it's kind of sad to,
0: right. you know, yeah.
2: see that it really is. I mean, you know, to add more on to your point, Amy, it's like, it's, you know, I, you know, when I was younger, I used to say that I had a terrible childhood. The reality is, is that I had a freaking awesome childhood <laughs> and it's just like. It's in you know thinking about it, it's like yeah, there but there are some people out there that don't even experience like half the uh, half the stuff I went through and as a kid that is you know good stuff yeah. as mm-hmm. in and it's like oh my gosh it's like and then uh, hearing some of these people so, I mean uh, obviously some of these people talk about their childhood it's like wow I I uh, you know it makes me think it makes them makes me think that they're stronger people than you know because like you went through that as a child. I mean, like losing family and uh, and all that kind of stuff. And and it's even worse if you're uh, if you're a child in war um, or in a war zone or something like that or your country is at war or whatever. The, I can only imagine the um, how difficult that is. And it's, you know, and then to finally, you know, let your guard down as an adult and then have that childhood i guess kind of or at least uh, a glimpse of what it could be mm-hmm. i mean i'm sure that's refreshing and um uh unnerving at the same time because you're you've been so on guard for so long right. um that you're just used to it and you don't know what it's like to have fun and, and all that kind of stuff and you know honestly i agree with you on that one um uh justin that you know it would have been better to see that like maybe an episode of something like that seeing her have fun or something like that you know learning from what she learned from gynon mm-hmm. as a mother I would say, I would say, yeah, guidance as a mother um, versus a counselor. Cause it's like a mother figure to her. Ex- yeah, exactly. Because she, she's—I mean, I'm, I'm assuming she's had tons of kids after 23 marriages. Yeah, right. <laughs>
1: right. Yeah. So many kids. Yeah. But yeah, like, like even if it was something where, like later on, you see like Row and some of the other crew just like, having a good time in the holodeck or something. You know, something that you could learn from that experience. Like life is can be like a little better and it's, it's not all about like the, the, the weight of things that have happened before. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, let's go around with our final thoughts. Uh, Richard, your final thoughts.
2: I love this season. Um, I, I, I've said it before and I'm going to say it again. I'm going to say it again and again. Um, (laughs) I love this season. Um, Seven is great. Is a great, uh, you know, wrap up and everything, but like, six is really when uh all the writers are really hitting on all cylinders or at least i believe so we're we're seeing that you know they learned quite a bit and that you know we're getting all these great stories i mean obviously we see troy finally uh being mo- way more assertive than what we've seen here in the in the previous past we see more with warf and, and everything and then and we even get to see the more vulnerable side of Picard so um i absolutely love this season it's great far more character moments that we could possibly even cover. I mean, we might as well just say, Hey, that's what's our favorite character moment of this episode. <laughs> so <laughs> I mean,
1: I, yeah. So it'll be a 176 part series on every single episode. <laughs> <laughs> there you go.
2: So here we go. Yeah. So we could definitely do that if you want. No. Um, but like, it's just, it, it's, it's a great season overall. Um, I I certainly do recommend this season and I I absolutely love it. So I'm glad what we, uh, what we, I'm happy with what we chose. Um, Obviously there's far more than that. So
1: yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Amy, your final thoughts.
0: Yeah. I have to agree completely with what Richard said. Like all of, I feel like we chose such strong and there's such strong picks, but we could have, Each had three different ones and they all still would have been strong. Like this, this season is so amazing and it was difficult to choose. And I love that we chose like these awesome episodes and that it led to a really good discussion. I just, I think that's what great Star Trek does is leads to really good discussions and how we relate it to our lives and, and how strong this season is because we could have all had different picks and we would have still had amazing connections and conversations from it because this season is so, so great.
1: Yeah. Well, I I love this series that we're doing about the favorite character moments and it's, it's wrapping up a little bit, but after season seven, we're going to go into the movies, so there'll be more. But yeah, I mean, season six is such a great season. I mean, in addition to like some of the things that that we talked about, I, I was realizing that that we've had a good number of episodes recently where we focused on things from season six. Like, Amy, when we talked with Clara about Schisms, which is a season right. six episode, um, we, I think, talked a good amount about Frame of Mind. We had mm-hmm. the Suspicions commentary. I mean, there I think there's a lot of really great stuff in in season six and and certain things that you know i I could have chosen from like i mean there's other episodes i really like realm of fear which is barclay with the transporter and you know true q with amanda's the q and i mean like there's just like all and ship in a bottle which is another great moriarty episode and i mean there's there is just like lots of lots of great stuff in this season and i also noticed that like for a lot of the moments it's 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 not necessarily just between, you know, main characters. There's there's more than that. You know, there were moments where we talked about uh talked about Gainan or or Roe or Scotty or, you know, Navek the Romulan and and all, and there's Kales. and I mean there's a lot of like really interesting guests and things that are going on in, in this season as well. And I mean I think there's a good mix between like the really like heavy stuff and some stuff some lighter stuff that that we identified. There's just Such great stuff all across the board. And we really could just, if we wanted to, go through every episode and say, what's your top three and two honorable mentions in this episode? But, (laughs) you know, that would take a while. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, listeners, let us know uh, your favorite um, character moments from season six. I'm sure there's lots that we didn't get to. We didn't even, one of the ones I thought about was Timescape, which which I love so much. Yeah. (laughs) Which is the one where they kind of go to this, this, it's like a battle between a Romulan ship and the Enterprise D and they're frozen in time and all this Mm -hmm. stuff so so much so much great stuff so yeah I I love when we get to talk about these things so preview of next week's episode the three of us will be talking about Star Trek Las Vegas which by the time this episode drops will be coming up in about a month Um, we've all been there uh, previously, and Amy and I are going again this year, so we'll be sharing stories of our experience, and also if you're going to Star Trek Las Vegas, some some tips uh, just to help you out there. We think you'll enjoy it, whether or not you're going, so we look forward to that next week. Well, it's been so much fun talking about our favorite Season 6 character moments, but that isn't the only thing we've been talking about here on the network. Here's what you might have missed elsewhere on Trek FM. Previously on Trek.fm, to the journey!
2: Yeah, I don't see him being allowed to just mooch off of Voyager, which is what he'd be doing if he resigned his commission. Be like, okay, get out. <laughs> we'll find the next planet and drop down. So it's kind off. of
1: an empty threat. I'm going to resign my commission. Like, fine, you want to go scrub the plasma manifolds? Knock yourself out. <laughs> Someone has to do it. Might as well be you. <laughs> Warp 5.
2: DeLorean? I'm terrible at names, let me just hey, tell you. just like Back to the Future, man, DeLorean. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Well, you've now we see ruined his son. it.
2: Yep. Did you see his son, the DeLorean? Doors open this way. No. So, but in well, that episode, we see ears. his son.
0: He does. <laughs> Maybe he could fly.
1: I don't know. Now
2: that should be the stinger.
1: Earl Grey.
2: Is that Jericho that went by?
1: What are you talking about? Will <laughs> you stop finding things in this episode that no one else sees?
2: <laughs> the guy had gray hair and everything. I thought it was oh, yeah, Sorry, every guy with gray hair is Jericho. The yeah, telecom. yeah, he's, he,
1: he, he's just visiting after coming by for <laughs> Chain of Command.
2: He was stopping for a cup of tea. <laughs> he doesn't strike me as someone that drinks tea. Melodic Treks. Oh, okay. So how do we do this? I mean, wait a minute. Before we get into that, like, what about, like, the Tarantino Trek movie? Is that going to happen? Because I'm totally stoked for that. Oh, yeah. Listen, he's done two movies already. Whoa. And... Uh, a car wow, because the That'll be great. Well, I'm so very excited that we're going to be getting two Tarantino movies. That's that's just awesomeness. This is great. I love knowing about the future. You know what? We'll, we'll set up that interview with Jeff Russo. Let's get the next episode of Melodic Tracks back online, and let's make it happen. We're making it happen, Brandon. Oh, but here's the best part. I have a copy of the interview right here already mixed and ready to go and you can put it online
1: when i leave and that's what else is happening on trek.fm
0: check out all these shows and join the conversation about your favorite corner of the star trek universe and beyond you'll find us wherever you get your podcasts if you're an apple user be sure to hit the subscribe button in apple podcasts on iphone ipad or apple tv or the desktop itunes app to get the latest episodes as soon as they are published. And please leave us a star rating and written review. That helps others to find the show.
2: If you're not an Apple user, we've got you covered as well. You can find our shows on Google Play Music, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spreaker, SoundCloud, Windows Phone, and most third-party apps. And you can stream and download the MP3 file from our website or grab the RSS link.
1: We'd love to hear your thoughts on today's show, and there are many ways for you to do that. The best place to join in the larger conversation is the Babel Conference, our listeners group on Facebook. Just type Babel, B-A-B-E-L, into the search field on Facebook, and it should come right up.
0: If you'd like to send us an email, you can use the form on our website at trek.fm slash contact. Choose to send to a show and select Earl Grey. That will come right to us, and we might read your email on the show. You can also find the network on Twitter at trekfm and on Facebook at facebook.com slash trek.fm. So Justin, where can people contact you when you're not meeting Guinan for the first time 500 years before you met her for the first time?
1: (laughs) 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 Yes, something like that. Have I met Guinan? Did it happen in the past? Is it happening in the future? This time travel stuff. (laughs) Well, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at trekfan4747, where I tweet about nothing but Star Trek. Uh, tweeting out my season five rewatch of the next generation. And you can also find me hanging around the Babel conference on Facebook. So Richard, where can people contact you when you're not trying to deal with having a transporter double of yourself?
2: Oh my gosh. Could you imagine if there was two of me? Oh no, I cannot.
1: Do you have a middle name by which we could call that transporter duplicate?
2: Actually, I don't. Oh.
1: That's okay. We'll call him Wesley.
2: Oh, there you go. No, oh. no, 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 I'll kill them in the transport. <laughs> <laughs> uh well they can find me. Uh you guys can find me on uh the Beable Conference. I'll pop in here and there, and as you can tell, I um I love talk uh talking trash about Wesley. <laughs> um but um I'm also on Twitter. My handle is X Ransom. So Amy, where can people contact you when you're not cosplaying as a Romulan Troy?
0: Oh man, I need to be doing that twenty four seven, that was awesome. <laughs> <laughs>
1: We got to watch out, though, because you may just threaten to throw us out in airlock.
0: Exactly. So don't mess. Um, You can find me here on the network. I host The Edge, which is our podcast for Star Trek Discovery, and I do that with Patrick Devlin. I am on Twitter at Miss Amy Nelson, and I am tweeting about my Deep Space Nine watch. And I am in season three and loving it. Really, really enjoying it. And it, it's so fun to have the interaction with the listeners. It's It's been really fun. And yay. Yay. Uh, but I don't know. Can I say it's my favorite place? I'm really getting into this Twitter thing. Uh, but I also <laughs> am on the Babel Conference and enjoy the discussions there. So you can look for me there.
1: If you'd like to help us keep all our shows coming to you each week, you can become a patron of the network on Patreon. Visit patreon.com slash trekfm. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash trekfm to get all the details. Perks include early access to episodes, exclusive content, producer credits, and more, available through our special patrons website, The Patron Zone. It requires a great deal of money to produce, host, and distribute these shows each month. We really appreciate any support you can give us and hope you'll join the team. Again, you'll find all the details at patreon.com slash trekfm.
0: We'd like to take this opportunity to recognize our current associate producers, Norman Lau, Justin Ozer, Michael Huter, and Thomas Appel. Thank you for supporting Trek FM and Earl Grey.
1: So join us next time for another cup of Earl Grey.
0: Now you are going to listen to me. Today is a good day to die.
1: The pleasure is mine, Hutch.